Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My cousin and I were on a camping trip to the Bohemia Mine area like we do at least two times a year. This was in 1992 or 1993, I believe in August. We set up camp and then hiked around until evening, then came back and made dinner. After dinner, it was dark, so we went up to Lookout Tower, which besides Bohemia Mountain itself was the highest peak, about 6,000 feet. It was a meteor shower that weekend, and we went up to watch it. We stayed up there till about 20, one, I think, and then went back to our camp. We stayed up for about half of an hour, then went to bed in a three-man tent to sleep in. At about 22, 23, I was just about to fall asleep when I started hearing branches breaking like something walking through the woods towards us. It started a ways away from our camp and kept getting closer. My cousin was calling my name and asking me if I had heard the sounds, but I was concentrating on listening to them and scared to answer him, so I just lay there like I was asleep. 
We'd taken his car up there, and we parked it about 100 feet away from our tent because there was too many branches and stuff to drive it all the way up to the tent. The noises stopped, and all of a sudden there was high-pitched and fast. Whoop, 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 wet from about where his car was parked. My cousin asked what that noise was and said nothing because it scared me to death. Then it started walking our way, and we just laid there and listened, and it got closer and closer to our tent until it came about a couple of feet away. We were so scared we laid there and didn't move a muscle because whatever it was had been walking on two feet, not four. It stopped making noise a couple of feet away, and we couldn't hear any walking until we could. Here it was right next to the tent. It had snuck up real quiet. We could hear it breathing. When my cousin moved the leg, it scared whatever was outside our tent, and it took off running, and we could hear the individual steps that hit the ground like thunder. It sounded very heavy. It ran off about 50 feet and stopped. Then it would start walking back towards us. We got within about 10 feet. Then we couldn't hear it anymore. Then all of a sudden it was right next to the tent. It had snuck up real quiet again to our tent. It could move very quiet when it chose to. It moved from one side of the tent to the other quietly and fast. It would be on one side and then the other before we knew it. It did this pretty much all night. It had left once then, came back. Finally, we fell asleep off and on. In the morning, we looked for tracks, but there was too much forest litter to see any. We did not have any protection with us at the time, and I have never been so scared in my life. I believed in Sasquatch pretty much all my life. My cousin and I go up there a couple of times a year to look for evidence and hope to have another encounter, but have not. I hunted... Since I was a little boy with my father and continue to hunt today, and I know the sounds deer, elk, and other four-legged creatures make when walking, and this creature defiantly was walking on two legs. Deer usually visit our camp when we go up there, and we can hear them coming in the dark. They get close, and we can see them in the flashlight. I have read other accounts and books after ours, and have found a few similarities. Like the heavy footsteps when it ran, the whoop, whoop, Whoop. We heard it's also in Roosevelt's account, I believe, as well as others. My cousin and I have read books about the 40s, and some of the miners reported seeing Bigfoot. There is also other reports from the Cottage Grove area that I have from old newspapers. I have became a volunteer researcher and have read a lot of reports, and my cousin and I have gone over this in our heads to make sure that it couldn't have been another animal that visited us, and we know that it was a Sasquatch. This is in an area between Boring and Gresham, Oregon. I was with some friends coming back from a late-night drive. Anywhere from 11 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., late summer, early fall, was a little chilly in my opinion. We'd stopped at the stop sign at Crossroads. I was in the passenger side back seat of a 73 AMC Hornet, so visibility is not the best. I noticed as we passed the Crossroads, there was a huge field to my right, with a house on it. The lights in the house were off. I noticed something walking across the field, a dark figure. I pointed it out to my friend and said, Hey, what in the hell is someone doing walking across a field this time of night? He commented something about it being one big dude we don't want to mess with, and then something about Sasquatch. When I think back on it, I can visualize the size, and it was pretty tall. My friend was six foot four who I was with, and I had a friend from high school who was six feet nine. 
and this thing was easily a foot over the six-foot-nine guy. Had some girth to it, too, large arms, too, like CO2 cylinders for soda dispensers. It seemed to kind of glance in our direction a little, but didn't seem too concerned. It looked like it had entered the field from probably 100, 150 yards up, and when we passed it was probably about 100 yards into the field away from us. It was cutting in a straight line diagonally like a disrespectful teen might cross someone's lawn because they are too lazy to walk to the corner. The direction it was heading there were no more houses at all. We were going westbound and the creature was heading northeast. The only other housing nearby was southeast from us. To the northeast, which it was heading, was another field, and possibly a creek or two, and then deep woods for quite a ways. Not sure how far, but not much for residents up there for miles and miles before getting to the Sandy River towards Dodge Park. The direction it was coming from, it would have been a mile or two in, but there would have been a few housing developments about three miles from the outskirts of Gresham, kind of near Sandy or Damascus. I wouldn't say it was crossing from over in that area, because it would have had to cross a lot of suburban-type areas, as well as several busy roads and a busy highway, Highway 26. If it was a Bigfoot, my personal guess is it was headed back home after going somewhere in the opposite direction for some reason. I thought it rather odd, and we all joked occasionally from time to time about seeing Bigfoot for the next year or two and remembering times we hung out, before eventually the group of friends generally moved away. We ranged in age from 1928 years old, and there were about four or five of us. I was trying to research a little on my cousin's murder on Wildcat Mountain Road years ago, when I came across this site due to the keywords I was using. After reading quite a bit, it brought back this memory. I think my wife and her friend have a few stories as well, having lived in central Oregon near Lapon, Crescent, and Gilchrist most of their lives. I will have to talk with them and make some reports as well. Also, when I think about it, there was kind of a rotten smell to the area. Didn't really smell animal-like. Although that general area at night smells kind of animal-like, it smelled kind of humid, mossy, and a bit like mildew. Not the typical Bigfoot smell from what I have read. It wasn't really a rancid smell either, but kind of fresh. I adjusted my gear, making sure everything was in place as we prepared to parachute into the remote forest near Slovakia. We were a Navy SEAL team on a top-secret mission, tasked with finding a crucial contact in this treacherous region. Leading the team was Muta, a foe SEAL and a fan of horror podcasts. Little did we know that the mission would take a horrifying turn that would rival even the scariest stories he had listened to. As we descended from the night sky, the forest swallowed us whole. The dense foliage and eerie silence created an atmosphere of unease. Our objective was to navigate the hostile territory, gather information, and extract as quickly and discreetly as possible. Cut off from communication and backup, we knew that our resourcefulness and teamwork would be paramount to our survival. As we ventured deeper into the woods, our senses heightened. Every crackle of a branch... Every rustle of leaves sent shivers down our spines. The tension in the air was palpable, and we remained on high alert. Our training kicked in, allowing us to move swiftly and silently through the undergrowth, blending in with the darkness that enveloped us. 
Suddenly, our keen eyes spotted movement among the trees. Without hesitation, we readied our weapons, trained to shoot at any potential threat. But to our astonishment, the rounds seemed to pass through the figure as if it were an apparition. It was a chilling sight, a creature unlike anything we had encountered before. The creature stood at the edge of our vision, bathed in an otherworldly glow. Its body emanated an ethereal darkness, its fur sleek and obsidian, eyes burning like embers pierced through the night, revealing an intelligence that sent a shiver down my spine. This was no ordinary anima. The creature barked, its sound resonating with a deep guttural resonance that sent chills down my spine. Its teeth, sharp and glistening, appeared to be forged from the darkest corners of the underworld. This was a being not of our realm, but something far more sinister. Before we could react, the creature vanished into thin air, leaving us stunned and bewildered. The woods fell silent once again, as if the encounter had been nothing more than a twisted figment of our imagination. But the intensity of the experience lingered in the air, the memory etched into our minds. Shaken but resolute, we pressed on with our mission. After an hour of navigating the unforgiving terrain, we finally reached our contact. The meeting was successful, and crucial information was exchanged. Yet, even in the face of our accomplishment, the memory of this creature continued to haunt us. As we made our way back, the question gnawed at the edges of our consciousness. What kind of creature had we encountered in those dark woods? In my years as a park ranger, I thought I had seen it all. The towering redwoods, the majestic wildlife, and the breathtaking landscapes that drew visitors from all corners of the world. But nothing could have prepared me for the inexplicable events that unfolded within the heart of our beloved national park. It began on a crisp autumn morning when I received a call that sent a shiver down my spine. The tranquil lake that had been the centerpiece of our park for generations was draining away, leaving behind a barren landscape of cracked mud and exposed rock. As I stood on the desolate shore, disbelief mingled with a growing sense of unease. How could this pristine oasis vanish before our eyes? My fellow rangers and I wasted no time. With a mix of curiosity and concern, we gathered our equipment and ventured to the heart of the mystery a yawning sinkhole that had opened up at the center of the lake's basin. Its edges were jagged and foreboding, a dark chasm that seemed to beckon us into its depths. With flashlights in hand, we cautiously descended into the unknown. What we discovered beneath the lake was beyond our wildest imaginings. The sinkhole led to a labyrinthine cave system, a twisting network of passages and chambers that stretched deep into the earth, our voices echoed off the walls as we ventured further, the air growing cooler and more oppressive with each step. It didn't take long for us to realize that this was no ordinary cave. The walls were etched with strange symbols and intricate patterns, hinting at a civilization long forgotten by time. And as we ventured deeper, the sounds of dripping water were joined by a haunting chorus of whispers that seemed to emanate from the very rock itself. With each turn, we found ourselves descending further into the heart of this subterranean world. And then, as if emerging from the shadows, they appeared, grotesque creatures, unlike anything I had ever seen before. 
Their skin was pale and translucent, their limbs elongated and twisted in unnatural ways. Eyes that glowed with an eerie luminescence regarded us with a mix of curiosity and hostility. As we stared in disbelief, the creatures advanced, their movements unsettling and disjointed. It was as if they existed on the fringes of reality, their forms shifting and warping with every blink of an eye. Panic rose within us as we realized we were trapped, our escape route cut off by the creatures that now surrounded us. With hearts racing, we retreated, desperately seeking a way out. But every corridor seemed to lead us deeper into the creature's realm. Hours turned into days as we navigated the winding tunnels. Our hope dwindling as our supplies dwindled. Amidst the fear and desperation, a glimmer of realization emerged. These creatures were not just monsters. They were a part of a hidden world that had remained concealed for centuries. They were the guardians of forgotten knowledge. The remnants of an ancient civilization that had thrived beneath the Earth's surface. As we delved deeper into their world, we uncovered fragments of their history. Stories of a civilization driven underground by cataclysmic events. Stories of survival and adaptation. And as we pieced together the puzzle of their existence, we began to earn their trust. In time, we found a way to communicate, to bridge the gap between our worlds. They revealed their knowledge, their secrets, and the untold stories of their people. And as the days turned into weeks, we realized that our survival was intertwined with theirs. Together, we worked to find a way to escape the labyrinthine caves and return to the surface. The journey was fraught with danger, but with their guidance, we navigated the treacherous passages and emerged once more into the light of day. The lake had returned to its former glory, but now it held a secret. An entrance to an underground world that defied explanation. As I stood on the shore, gazing out over the water, I knew that the events of the past weeks would remain etched in my memory forever. Our encounter with the creatures had shattered my preconceptions, opening my eyes to the boundless mysteries that the world still held. And as I looked back at the sinkhole that had led us to that hidden realm, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets lay waiting to be uncovered beneath the surface of our world. Because of my experience, I now record my drives. Literally less than a year ago, I was on a drive from Roach, Nevada to Sandpoint, Idaho, riding United States 95, my first time. It was 2 a.m. on a Sunday, so road was literally deserted for 20 minutes straight, not one outside source of headlights for miles. I was hitting about 80 miles. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...per hour most of the whole way with cruise control on. With Wise's my GPS, there was a report of an object on the road, and I planned accordingly to anticipate the object. As I approached, the object in question wasn't an object, but 
an animal. That looks to be consuming a carcass that was bright pink, similar to a large pig. The appearance of the animal did not look like anything else. It was in a squatting position, as of it had bipedal capabilities, but it was covered in dark brown fur. Keep in mind that I only had a glimpse of the animal, as my first reaction was to swerve out of the way and accelerate the hell out of there. I should have at least screenshot the Waz UI on my phone. My mom and dad bought a house that was built in the early 1900s. The house was huge, two stories with an attic and basement. We were checking out the attic. I was near the chimney that ran up an outside wall from the first floor fireplace. I saw something, couldn't reach it, ran down and grabbed a poker from the fireplace. The kind with a little hook on it. The family is watching me try to retrieve what I saw. I had the tip of the poker about 12 inches below the floorboard, struggling to hook the object when it was literally ripped out of my hands. I was four at the time and just out of the Navy. It took something powerful to rip it out of my grasp. Everyone saw my body jerked toward the floor. My mom yelled something incoherent. Then total silence. We all just stared at the base of the chimney for probably ten seconds trying to realize what the F just happened. Then, as one got the hell out of the attic, the poker was never retrieved. We learned from a neighbor that at, in the 1940s, the lady of the house hung herself in the basement. Maybe it was her, maybe not. Who cares? I don't go up to the attic. Flashback to 2007, I was roughly 20 years old. The drive was through a semi-rural area. A single lane, smooth road, called Kennett Pike, Delaware Route 52, which connects Pennsylvania to Delaware. Kennett Pike also connects to Devil's Road, where M. Night filmed the village. It was typically an eerie commute, but due to me using it often, it never truly scared me. Girlfriend at the time was riding with me in the passenger seat of my old Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we were traveling back to Delaware after dropping off my best pal in Pennsylvania, who joined us to see a movie. It was 2 a.m. at the time. We had recently crossed the state line. Despite being young and stupid, I reduced my speed slightly due to the dense fog which we had quickly entered. Before I knew it, my heart was racing. I found myself swerving as to not hit a person in the middle of the road. It was an apparition like woman with long, thick, gray hair covered in worn, white robes with a dim glow to her entire appearance. She was kneeling down, almost completely still at first, but her torso appeared to be slightly moving, and she was slowly rising. I didn't quite get a good look at her face, but perhaps that's what makes the fear linger on. I recall saying, holy shit. Did you see that? to which my girlfriend agreed, nodding with an open mouth and wide eyes. Additionally, this girl I was dating at the time claimed to have a ghost living in a room of her family's home, a room which they would seldom enter. Hey guys, so when I was a child, I remember having this dream, not sure if it was a dream though, I was definitely around the age of ten. I remember being at this type of farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in this fence. But the thing is, 
This fence had a red light glow from its side, like if a car headlights was pointed in its direction. I remember that the light grew closer on the fence as if something was getting closer around the corner of the house or something. I also remember a woman with a shotgun hiding on the other end outside the house on the corner really scared with another person. I'm not too sure about the whole memory as I was a child, however, when I was maybe 13. I came across to the McPherson's alien abduction, which was a similar encounter but real that happened in the 90s. Caught on camera, which was posted on YouTube, there was like three different videotapes of it in which people say it was a way to cover it up, but I am wondering if maybe I even had a dream or if I was in my spiritual self observing a memory of something that happened in this McPherson abduction or something. Am I just being crazy? Was it just a dream and I am just acting silly or is there a spiritual or unnatural reason why I was able to relate to the McPherson's abduction before I ever saw any videos on it? Growing up, I always wanted to be like my father, brave and courageous, always fighting against wrong and instilling good or trying to. He was a police officer, and from a very tender early age, I decided that was the path I was going to continue on to. Carrying a real weapon everywhere, you know the fantasy of beating up bad guys and robbers. Maybe it wasn't my father who had influenced me to be an officer. Maybe it was more the action movies we used to watch, like Die Hard and things like that. Anyways, fast forward and I'm 20, two years old, a newly appointed rookie officer. Patrol duty near Emily Bridge in Vermont. It was a very popular tourist attraction, but not because of its beauty, because of the creepy urban legend surrounding it. This 50-foot-long bridge is said to be the site of a young woman's self-harm in the mid-1800s. According to legend, the woman Emily was supposed to meet her lover at the bridge to elope. However, she ended up hanging herself from the rafters when he never showed. Now it's believed that Emily's ghost scratches at cars, it crosses pedestrians, and sometimes just appears in front of them in her ghastly evil form. I don't believe in such superstitions and legends. People have committed s in many places. How come the whole world is not haunted with their spirits? So it was a Saturday morning, the time of my duty, right near the bridge. I was patrolling alongside my partner, a 39-year-old officer whose name I will not mention. Twenty years of experience and a lot of stories on how he saved the world, apparently. He's so talkative, my head ached from listening to him over and over. I tried joining him off by playing grease, too, in my head and eating my roll which I bought street food. During patrolling, as the best, my partner also had a role, but God forbid he quietly eat and stop talking. He's narcissistic and so self-obsessed, he even talks with his mouth full. During one of his abnormally long stories about how he had apparently saved a woman from being kidnapped, we heard a shrill scream. It seemed that a woman was screaming, but what most shook me was the pure terror that could be heard in her voice. We quickly geared up a walk toward the sound of the scream, which was apparently under the Emily Bridge. As soon as we reached there, I saw a sight which I probably won't ever be able to forget. A man lying on the ground, moaning in pain as his back bled and a pool of blood was forming underneath him, while a woman was being strangled by a white shimmery thing. 
when my partner and I both stopped, the white thing stopped strangling that woman and turned around. It was a ghost, the ghost of a woman, probably Emily from the legend. It stopped and disappeared. It gave us this creepy cackle and quickly disappearing. We stood shaken for a moment because what on earth, but then went towards the distressed couple lying traumatized. I checked if the man was lying on the ground while my partner checked on the quietly sobbing woman. Thankfully, the woman was not hurt, so I called my partner to help me pick up the man and quickly get away from under the bridge, lest that Emily ghost comes again. How would this be able to happen? Even guns wouldn't affect a ghost. After coming away from the bridge, I laid the guy in the back seat of my car and took out my first aid kit. Well, my partner phoned an ambulance. The woman, poor her, she was traumatized, asking if her boyfriend would be all right. He was bleeding badly, and my partner tried to console her, but she just could not stop sobbing. It was a terrifying thing being attacked. I wouldn't blame her so much for crying. I would have done it too. We tried asking her what happened, but she couldn't speak so much to tell what happened. When the ambulance arrived, we put the couple in it and sent them on their way to the hospital. We basically told our story to our supervisor, who laughed in our face and didn't believe me, even my experienced partner. At first, but we luckily had our cameras on us and had recorded the entire thing. Although the ghost of Emily was invisible in the recording, which is creepy, we could see the bleeding man and the being just flying in the air while clutching her neck where the hands of the ghost had been. Our supervisor was very quiet, asked us to do a follow-up with the couple, and asked them about what happened there to make sure their stories added up. We waited till the next day before checking up on them. You obviously need some time to accept what happened and come out of that traumatized state. The next morning, we left for the hospital where the couple was currently in. We asked them how they had been, and if they were feeling better. They were better physically, but... Emotionally, they were still dealing with the repercussions of what happened. Upon asking what happened under the bridge, the woman told us that they were just making out when this being appeared. This white apparition formed around her boyfriend and tried to throw him off the bridge. He fought her back when she proceeded to attack, preventing him and her from leaving. I don't know when the woman tried to save her boyfriend by trying to drag him away and throw him off the bridge. This thing began choking this girl. It's completely wacko, right? While this thing was choking her is when we had appeared, as she profusely thanked us for saving their lives, suggested that we should close the underside of the bridge, and safe to say, I did not expect this to happen when I applied for working as an officer. I understand this probably sounds like some cheesy, creepy story, but I promise things happen on the job that are far more unquestionable than disturbing, to say the least. And stories like this get concealed from the public far more often than you would ever imagine. Last summer, I decided to spend two weeks with my grandfather at his old house. He was always a fascinating character, full of stories and wisdom, and I looked forward to spending time with him. However... I also knew that he often claimed to see ghosts around the house, especially coming from the room I would be sleeping in. I tried to brush it off as just one of his eccentricities. One night, after an evening filled with my grandfather's captivating stories, I went to bed, feeling a bit uneasy. I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was off, 
but I attributed it to my overactive imagination. Eventually, I drifted into a light, restless sleep. As I lay there, half asleep, I suddenly felt a finger poke me hard in the arm, twice. The sensation was so real that I jolted awake, my heart pounding in my chest. I quickly scanned the room, expecting to find my grandfather playing a prank on me or something. But the room was empty, and my grandfather was snoring peacefully in his own bedroom down the hall. I tried to convince myself that it was just a dream or a muscle spasm, but the strange sensation in my arm persisted, making it impossible for me to dismiss what had just happened. I lay awake for the rest of the night, feeling scared and vulnerable with every creak and groan of the old house making me jump. For the remainder of my stay, I couldn't shake off the fear that something supernatural was lurking in the house. Every time my grandfather casually mentioned seeing ghosts in the house, I felt a chill run down my spine. I tried to laugh it off, but the memory of that night haunted me. Eventually, my two weeks with my grandfather came to an end, and as much as I loved him and enjoyed our time together, I couldn't help but feel relieved to be leaving the house and its unsettling presence behind. Even now, when I think back to that summer, I can still feel the ghostly finger poking me in the arm, and I can't help but wonder if my grandfather's stories were more than just tales to entertain his grandchildren. I lived in El Paso for close to five years and did a lot of backcountry camping. Red Sands, Guadalupe. WSNP was the creepiest at night hands down, and because it requires a permit to camp there. Nobody else was there. I was all alone in this beautiful wonderland. For those unaware, White Sands is the largest gypsum deposit in the world, and it's hundreds of miles of snow-white sand dunes surrounded by mountains in Bum F, New Mexico, made some chow, sat by the fire for a while, soaking it all in, then laid down. I couldn't sleep and went to take a walk in the dunes, and the whole time I felt like I was being watched. The glow of the moon reflecting on that white gypsum sand was eerie. It almost looks like a white chumlight with a full moon, decided to call it, and went back to my tent to attempt sleep. Woke up the next morning and had footprints in the sand all over my camp, but they were odd, some circling my tent repeatedly all around my truck and then heading into a direction I didn't even explore. There was a second set of prints following my path from the night before. High desert is strange for sure. We lived on the mountain, down off in a big hole known as Smoky Holler, a small mining community up until the 70s. Our road was off the main community road. It led to one of the mines. My older brother, who was about 15 years old at the time, said he was walking home one day and passed a stranger who was coming from the direction of our house. The stranger on our road walking was unheard of. My brother said he was dressed all in black with a long black coat and hat. And the part that stuck out to me was, he said the stranger was at least seven feet tall. They didn't speak to one another, but my brother was afraid of him and had a bad feeling. Fast forward 30 years, my brother and one of his friends are driving down X Ridge, and they go over the guardrail down the side of the ridge. My brother is thrown out the windshield and lands in the woods and lays there till the ambulance shows up. His friend was still in the truck as it rolled and was killed. As my brother was laying there, he sees the seven-foot-tall stranger walking down the side of the road on top of the guardrail towards him. Just walking. 
on the guardrail. He didn't say any more after that. Whether he talked to the man or not, or whether the man came close to his friend in the truck, 